Welcome back to the Tinderbox podcast. Once again, you heard the meditation bell of a Zen temple, traditionally rung three times to begin the meditation session. Our guests in this podcast both talk about their spiritual beliefs, and once again, it's a great way to start us off. Today, you're going to hear another interview I had in the wake of the mass protests kicked off by the video of George Floyd's killing in Minneapolis, Minnesota in spring of 2020. This interview is another piece of research I did on the L.A. riots of 1992. In the podcast, you're going to hear an interview with Billy Tang and Tim Cornegay. Both Billy and Tim came my way via Angela O, oh, who recommended that I speak to them about their experience in their respective community organizations and how they've tried to create interracial dialogue. You actually heard her reference this at the beginning of her interview. Both of their concerns have to do with the justice system because both men serve time. Tim Cornegay is a child of Los Angeles, specifically South Central L.A., one of the most troubled parts of the city. Since his incarceration, the details of which you can find in some profiles of him online, Tim has dedicated his time to the causes of criminal justice, reentry, and otherwise making a life after prison a possibility. He works with L.A. Voice, a Los Angeles-based multi-faith and multi-race initiative aimed at community change. You'll hear him talk about his work with L.A. Voice during the interview. He also has a book you can find online called Price of Justice. Billy's family is Chinese, but his path to L.A. was long, crossing through China, then Cambodia, where he lost his father to the Khmer Rouge regime, then Thailand, and eventually making his way to the U.S. as a boy. Like Tim, Billy was also incarcerated and only was recently released. You can read details of his story, which is really incredible by itself. His immigration status as a refugee led to many negative run-ins with the U.S. immigration system, a subject on which he speaks publicly. Billy now works with API RISE, where again, as I said in the last podcast, API is Asian Pacific Islander and RISE is reentry and inclusion through support and empowerment. In the interview, you'll hear how Billy and his organization are trying to smooth the way for those reentering society from the prison system. I have a personal interest in their work. Um, as you'll hear me reference here, back in 2009 and 2010, at the height of that recession, yeah, that other recession, I worked in the welfare system in Philadelphia, where I tried to get jobs for those with criminal records pretty often. As you'll hear me say in the interview, that work was some of the most frustrating I've ever done, but also rewarding. The work of LA Voice and API Rise is what we need to see more of. Not only are both these guys tireless in their own activism, but they work together. In the interview, you'll hear how they met, why they thought it was an important thing to open a dialogue between Asian Americans and Black American communities. As you'll learn in my podcast on the L.A. riots, we saw a lot of interracial violence, a lot of it between Black and Asian American communities. Billy and Tim's openness to dialogue, community building, and the need for calm in the face of everything is a fascinating look at people struggling to make peace in their communities. What really hit me during this interview is how drastically different the lives of my fellow Americans can be. So without any further ado, here's my interview with Billy and Tim. There's Tim. Oh, there he is. He's on his way in. I was, I was wrestling trying to get up in here. I'm yeah, in here. you made it. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's great having you both here. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. Great to be here. Thank Absolutely. And I, I wrote you a big, long email about, about what we're up to. But I think um, in the interest of time and just because I have both of you here, and um, I think kind of the best place to start is maybe how you guys know each other and how, how, how you met and why you decided to form, uh, form the group that Angela was telling me about. 
I guess you can call it, I don't know, situational happenstance or something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have a friend, I have a friend who, when I was incarcerated, uh, ama- got free at an amazing moment. He wasn't supposed to get free. Uh, the, the board of, like the releasing board in California told him to come back in eight years. Okay. And then they called him back about six months later and said, we made a mistake. You could go home right now. Wow. So that's, that's Jabbar. The name is Jabbar Shroud. So he gets free and he is connected to uh, 10. And 10 is like one of our, our, our Asian brothers who, who was incarcerated with us. He was, he was on the same, uh, what we call tier as Jabbar and I, when we were in prison and Jabbar uh, connected with a professor uh, what's the professor's name? Uh, professor's name, uh, what's it? What's her name? Sarah, and you got to do the last name. Oh, it's, um, are you talking about uh, Farah? Farah? Her, yeah. Farah. The, come on Farah? now. Huh? Girl, you, got to, you got to help me out. Farad? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's, yeah, she's a professor at the Riverside uh, yeah, University, Riverside. right? Okay. Yeah. And she yeah. was doing, and she was doing an, uh, writing a story about individuals who utilize yoga in prison as a form of meditation and how to relax. And she, she was connected with Jabbar Shroud and Jabbar mentioned me because that was one of the anti-prison pro keep me calm, meditating, things that what I've done. So he mentioned me and uh, we put together like a conference at a library or a panel at a library in Echo Park. Well, it'll be me, Tien, and Billy. And that well, prior to, the professor got that contacted me and was like, oh, I want to put you on this with a guy named Billy. And I have been having like brief conversations with Billy through the Tien and Jabbar connection, but I, I hadn't made the, the association that this was the Billy that I was already <laughs> talking to about. And, he, and, then, and then once once I remembered, I was like, oh, okay. I've been talking to him. I just got finished meeting with him about a week ago, trying to develop like an, an API, like an organization I work for, LA Voice, uh, like the diversity piece because we, we weren't strong in like API folks at the table. So I was trying to pull Billy into the table. I, we realized it was the same portion. And then we had the connection to 10 because 10 and Billy go back to childhood at, yeah. you know, and prison and yeah. immigration detention centers once they got released from prison. And the, the one thing that we realized that we all have in common, uh, is that being impacted by the injustices and inequities, inequities that exist uh, in the U.S., but specifically to us in California mm-hmm. in the criminal justice system. So gotcha. you know, just having that connection, uh, we, we've been we've been bonded, we've been bros ever since. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just to add to uh, Tim's story. Um, yeah, I think it, it was just, you know, our, our path was meant to cross, you know, uh, regardless, right? Um, and, um, 
yeah, through our panel together and uh, with uh, Tin. And I think, you know, once we uh, got talking, right, and uh, I think we realized that we share a lot of uh, common views uh, as far as uh, wanting to, um, uh, um, I guess, get more involved with uh, diverse, uh, um, uh, diverse community and uh, to, to share that, um, you know, common thinking of bringing everybody together instead of, uh, you know, instead of, um, having the mentality of like, just, you know, in prison, it's like we had, we, they always uh, um, enforce that division mentality on us, right? So uh, out here, I, I, you know, I realized that, um, you know, uh, in order to break free from, um, you know, the past, we have to move forward, uh, you know, with, with the future. And that's, uh, that includes, um, getting involved with uh, communities of like, uh, you know, diverse uh, background also. So, um, you know, to come together to, uh, you know, fight the injustice system. So that, you know, once, mm -hmm. once we discussed that, it was like, you know, yeah, you know, we share the same view. Um, That's great. So, it, so inside the, the system, as you were saying, Billy, there's a, there is a push systematically to, to divide by by race by ethnicity so, yeah. so that's existing and so when you when you get to the outside do what does it feel like how does it feel different i mean what's what's the push is there is there still a push or does do things feel freer hmm i i think um i think it's freer i mean um i i think that well, I went through a transitional house. Mm -hmm. So in the house, this was already, uh, um, um, you know, diverse culture living in, in, in those housing. So for me, it was like, and um, I think, you know, before I even um, got out, you know, my, my, my thought process already, um, uh, I guess, changed to a view of, uh, of wanting to, um, connect with uh, other people more uh, versus, you know, just uh, staying within my own uh, culture, right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, coming out, I, I think definitely, um, you know, the freedom to, uh, to um, interact with whoever I feel like it. And um, also this, yeah, there's no push to, um, um, there's no racial, uh, um, I guess, yeah, there's no uh, push for racial boundaries. So, mm -hmm. you know, I feel that um, for me, I, I just want to, you know, make it attempt to, or, you know, just thrive towards uh, uh, being involved, right, as much as I can with uh, communities of diverse uh, background. So. Yeah, it sounds personal. And that's what it sounds like for you too, Tim. It it's just sounds like... For, uh, for me... My, my journey to it is a little different because of how, how I navigated my prison experience. Uh, you have to have, even if they are below the surface relationships with other races, you have to be connected and have below the surface relationships with other races for all the right reasons as well as all the wrong reasons. So anytime, though the, the systems and institutions are set up to force like the racial separation. Sometimes there are disagreements 
and conversations that need to be had when there are when there's tension if there's not somebody that has a pre-established relationships that can reach out and say hey they're not talking and this is what's going to happen if they don't talk let me and you talk though so let's let's figure mm -hmm. out like a conflict resolution scheme because this don't doesn't need to happen so the power of diverse communication and those uh the, those relationships to me have always been there and that's for the right reason one of the wrong reasons is uh the california department of corrections at one time a phone call cost like 15 cent i mean 15 dollars for five minutes so yeah. you're on the wall phone calling your people you haven't phoned bills that's six and seven hundred dollars a month and placing that kind of burden like on your folks is is just terrible so mm -hmm. At the introduction of cell phones in prison, you have to have those interconnected relationships because sometimes individuals who look like you aren't the ones with the phones. Yeah. And if you are, I mean, just to, just to be an extreme, so it might be somebody white who's got the phones or somebody Hispanic who got the phones or somebody Asian who got the phones. And if you don't have that relationship, then guess what? You don't get to communicate with your people. You don't get yeah. that life source that's really needed though it's illegal uh that that component right there uh for most from the early 2000s all the way up till uh 2015 when i gained my freedom that was like one of the things that having those like diverse relationships put me in a position that I, I was able to maintain my sense of connection with like the streets until i got there yeah, so it sounds like both of you, yeah, at, at some point or another, you're trying to create kind of informal relationships with people. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, and now now you're on the outside. You've had a couple of years, as I understand, on the outside. Yeah. And you're, you're now forming more, it sounds like to me, you've got these different groups you're forming. Now you've got something formal. It's its own nonprofit. It's its own yeah. um, organization. And, but it sounds like it's doing the same thing in a lot of ways. Yeah yeah or, or organizationally like we're two we're part of two different organizations billy mm -hmm. is part of like api rise and i'm part of yeah. la la voice and la voice is uh it's faith-based organizing so our congress our relationships and organizing is done within church congregations and there are a lot of them we have relationships with like 70 congregations throughout la and the diversity piece is there also. So I attach myself to this kind of organizational organizing for one, for the faith-based component, because I've been an individual that maybe not necessarily attached to, to the religious stuff. And for the diversity and to credential the fact that I wasn't going to be the person in this walk, in this journey and freedom that I was in my previous incarnation. Yeah. And in, and in, and in, being this way and doing that. So I have, it's comfortable for me to sit across the table now for somebody that doesn't look like me because I got the skill set to do it hmm. when I was trying to get free, when it was extremely difficult, when it was extremely uncomfortable. And sometimes it could have possibly been life threatening. So to be able to do it now and have a relationship with somebody like Billy or somebody like our friend Tin or uh, Angela or Diane or some of the folks who are at the table with us is just a continuation and the validation that the journey is on point, that, that 
you know, this is this is how things are supposed to be, and we are uh, given given the opportunity or the blessing to try to make change for our folks in a positive way and try to be the best example of. Yeah, do you want to add to that, Billy? Um, yeah, I think for uh, my organization, um, API Rise. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit it's it's a little bit different approach because uh, our organization exists uh, to support and um, and provide voice and empower uh, individuals who are uh, uh, currently and formerly incarcerated um, API uh, communities. To um, I guess just uh, a sense of belonging for the community. Uh, I we feel that in our um in our culture, right, the the, the stigma and the shame has always been so heavy uh, amongst our culture. So our organizations is there, um, you know, just to help uh, ease that um, um. I guess you would say uh, help empower, right, and help uh, um, individuals who are coming out to just um. Uh, know that you know there's a place for them, right? Uh, yeah. But we're we're not secluded just to API. This is um, we realize that a lot of uh, programs and um, uh, doesn't include the API population, or uh, sometimes the even the uh, amongst ourselves, the API population doesn't go seek uh, other um, other communities. Uh, you know, uh, due to either culture, back, uh, culture the difference, or even language barrier, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but I think in, in that, in that space, uh, we also encourage others to, um, be involved with the other communities also and to, uh, um, you know, just in their, uh, journey to, uh, transition or to, uh, readjust, right. Uh, you know, to be, um, to interact, right. To interact and have that network skills, uh, you know, to succeed in life also, um, me personally, uh, I deal with a lot of, um, well, my, myself, I deal with uh, immigration issues. So uh, I encountered a couple of those uh, incidents where I was detained. Yeah. And uh, coming back out, I feel like, um, you know, um, there should be, you know, someone to tell the stories of how, you know, how it is, how, how is it to feel to uh, be released and to be detained again, right? And, um, and to be, um, Really uh, treated as a product, but not you know not not as a human being uh, in the in the detention system, right? So um, my advocacy work uh, is surrounding uh, anti-deportations, uh, mm-hmm. and um, but I realized that you know the immigration uh, issue is um, it's not just the uh, API issue, but it's issues of uh, of the community. Because when I went there the second time, there was people there was people of uh, all color, brown. Um, white, black, uh, Asians, right? So, you know, this is like a community issue and, um, you know, we need to uh, humanize people, right? And not um, not uh, condemn them for life for something that happened years ago and uh, be torn you know, away from the family. So, but um, to, uh, just to bring it all in, like uh, for me, I just realized that um, uh, it's crucial, right, to have, uh, community support and um and yeah and you know just uh part of that is just you know uh go out there and being involved you know more and interact with uh, uh you know uh 
people um, that share similar mindset, right? <laughs> similar yeah. beliefs as uh, as I do. So I it, so I was talking with Angela about this, and in, in our talk, I I work in nonprofits and I do fundraising and try to get funds for anything. Um, I've done. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, just just all kinds of initiatives. And so, yeah, how do you bring that message to the community? Because I, I, I worked in uh, the welfare system for a little bit. And I worked with guys in, in ha from a halfway house who were then trying to transition out and just getting the message out to the community partners that like, these are people you can hire, you know, for jobs like these guys want to work, they want to be out there, they want to try to get get out of their um, their house, you know, the halfway house, like whatever. So how do you get that message to people in a way that resonates? Uh, because you're, you guys are so based in, in, in the justice system and trying to, to rehabilitate and heal and, and so on. Um, I think for me, it's just um, going to uh, different events um, and just sharing my story, right? And um, allowing people to see like, um, you know, I'm a person, you know, and, um, and, you know, as someone that uh, was involved in the justice system, I, you know, I, I paid my, um, I did my time, paid my debt to society. And, um, you know, it's wrong to, uh, to punish me again or, you know, someone in similar situation that I am, right? So I think it's just uh, storytelling, sharing my, uh, my, my, um, my journey with other people and uh, also attending rallies to, um, you know, bring that awareness um, and, you know, everywhere I go, I try to educate people and uh, to, uh, um, I guess, just to, to raise the issue uh, so that they could be aware of, um, you know, the, uh, our, our immigration system is uh, flawed, right, and needs, uh, needs reform. But meanwhile, you know, the people that are affected by it are, um, are people that, you know, just, just like any other parolees want to come on and have a second opportunity, right, to, uh, to succeed in life. So, uh, you know, basically that's the message that uh, um, I relate to people and uh, mm -hmm. you know, to share my personal stories and, uh, yeah, and then educate people on, uh, you know, the, the story of immigrant refugees, um, you know, so. Great. Yeah, Tim, I, I know yours focus, I mean, your focus is related with LA Voice and I read a little bit about the organization doing some adv advocacy work and even policy, making phone calls, that type of thing. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, for me, I, I have this slogan that moves in my head all the time, and it's nothing about us without us. So anytime there's a conversation had about individuals who are justice system impacted or formerly incarcerated, and I have the opportunity to sit at the table, I'm there, and I'm and I make it known uh, that that individuals who have uh, made that journey. And once they come back, they deserve, you know, the opportunity to position themselves in good ways, earning jobs, and to have whatever needs that they may have met with a degree of, like, equality like everyone else, that it should not be a stigma attached to an individual making a mistake, which is having a consequential contact with law enforcement is a mistake. So one, one of the analogies I use often is, uh, you want individuals to identify themselves as formerly incarcerated, but in this room, since 50% of relationships or marriages end up in divorce, there's 50% of these people in this room that are formerly married. 
So if it, it had that on the job application or if you were hold, held accountable because you couldn't sustain a relationship, how would you like that? So what makes you think that we like it, that we always have to identify ourselves as formally, 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 we deserve uh, the same position for that not to be a stigma that follows us around everywhere we go because at one point in our life, we made a mistake. Everybody has, you know, the ability to change and extend an individual that understanding until you realize that they haven't. And, you know, in the job space, some of the, some of the policy that I've been involved is in uh, the city and county of LA is this thing called uh, ban the box, which pretty, make, pretty much eliminates the ability for an employer to ask you, have you been convicted of a felony um, yeah. on a job application? and can only be done so when the job is offered and it has to be conditional to the job you're getting. So if you're a car yeah. thief, you probably won't be able to get a job at a car lot, but that shouldn't stop you from working at a grocery store. Yeah. So that that is like one of the things that I was involved in in like uh, Prop 57, which is a proposition that happened in 2016, which eliminated what's called direct file in California, which gave, which the 94 crime bill gave, uh, DAs in California, the arbitrary decision-making hammer to try a person as young as 14 years old as an adult and send them to adult prison. Wow. So the prisons Billy and I were in started to look like high schools. Yeah, wow. Like individuals who weren't even old enough to have hair on their face with, with the consistent, I got 50 years to this and 35 years to that and 40 years to that, primarily because of that system-making matrix that prosecutors have so some of the outreach that i was able to do with a team of 99.9 percent .9 formerly incarcerated individuals was get that message out and make sure that it was a, enough voters to go to the poll and make sure that 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 ability for legislators was for, i mean for prosecutors was suspended mm -hmm. and you know uh la voice is always involved in some some degree of action, some degree of uh, campaign support, some degree of legislative support. So whenever that's done, uh, we we usually put together teams that are form you know formerly incarcerated individuals, system impacted individuals. It's a requisite that if you you for me you have to have been in some degree of trouble because I know you need help. And once yeah. you understand the the issues and you have skin in the game. And you can actually participate in changing a system that has impacted you probably most of your life. Chances are you're gonna be the, you're gonna be the, your best self. And some of those best selves have helped change some of the laws in California for the better. That have helped individuals like me and Billy come home. Yeah, that's that is fascinating. I did not. I you know I'm I'm out here all the way out in Pennsylvania, and you know we have our own issues out here. And yeah. um, for instance, in Philly, when I was working there, there was a they were giving out an incentive. Like, I think you got cash if you hired a formerly incarcerated person um, and nobody took it. Like we, you know, I was, here I am, I've got all these guys on, on my case list who I, I need, I'm trying to find them jobs. And it was like, nobody would even take it. So wow. we were trying to do outreach and work with the mayor's office even to find people, find people work. And it was so, so hard. But um, so that is, that is some fascinating stuff. Uh, and I applaud it. And I'm going to shout out both your organizations. I'm going to make sure to do that for you because it's important yeah. stuff.
and if I can change gears a little bit, um, you know, now we're seeing a, a real challenge to the justice system from current events and everything going on and people in the street. Where, where do you think that conversation brings your organizations um, when you're, cause you're, you're both, you're both actively thinking about justice. Um, you're thinking about this system all the time. It's your, it's, it's one of your passions. Yeah. You want to, you want to go first, Billy, or you want me to go first? Yeah, you go first. Well, uh, uh, with a smile on my face, I, I'll say that LA Voice is prolific in every budget conversation that's taking place uh, in LA on the city level, county level, and some on the state level. We are involved in the conversation that makes sure, that making trying to make sure that some of the funding uh, that's being directed in uh, in whatever direction is helpful to those who need it most. Mm -hmm. That is. Uh, in recognition of communities who have been starved of resources for far too long, but are those communities that are impacted the most. That uh, the eye is on institution change, mm -hmm. starting from policy to system to the totality of, because there's, there's an understanding that if you don't change the institution, and the culture and the systems remain, and individuals are going to continue to do the things uh, that they do. Uh, we're, we're fighting for uh, a defunding or redirecting of, I mean, these millions of dollars that uh, the law enforcement agencies have sucked out of uh, city and county budgets under the banner of public safety and protect and serve. But if they're keeping our public safe, why have they shot or killed over 600 people in the last 10 years? We, we're trying to keep each other safe from them at this point. No, when, you know, when your house is on fire and the fire department, who are also uh, public safety officials, come to put the fire out, you tend to welcome them. But oftentimes there are things that take place and you have to pick up the phone and call the police and you are scared yourself of what might actually happen. And that, that environment of fear is what has to be dealt with. So when it comes to policy, when it comes to system, when it comes to institutional change, and when it comes to budgets, LA Voice is at the table lending uh, their voice, their information, their power, and their people to the issue, but LA Voice is not a singular organization. Mm -hmm. It's it's one of like 14 organizations that are in a federation that make up PICO California. Okay. And PICO is one of uh, about 12 other organizations around the state and around the country that create Faith in Action, which is a national, international faith-based organizing body. So. Though you may see the corner of what LA Voice is, LA Voice is actually connected to this larger body of organizing that's organizing like around the country and in some other countries. I, I do believe that there's a version of uh, Faith in Action in Philly. Oh, okay, I'll look it up. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I think for me, um, API Rise is a fairly, uh, new organization so um we don't have the budget or the capacity to um 
do a lot of the uh, the work on ground. Uh, everybody that's involved is all strictly on a volunteer basis. Mm -hmm. um, however, we do continue to advocate for um, um, the release of uh, people that are vulnerable to COVID-19, uh, people such as, uh, you know, in the detention center where um, they really don't have any, uh, any form of protection, right, if, uh, for the COVID-19 uh, outbreak. So um, I think uh, last month or a couple months ago, we, we did um, uh, a video sharing our stories of um, what it was like to be in detention, uh, what it's like to be in the jail uh, and in the prison environment where uh, we really are uh, defenseless uh, towards the, the COVID-19 uh, outbreak. And um, so I think just sharing that to the social media, right, uh, uh, bring awareness and um, I guess um, uh, forcing the, the, the politicians to take action to, uh, to uh, put pressure on, um, on the CDC system to release people, right? Even uh, the, the detention center to release people because it's cruel and unusual punishment for them to be in an environment where they can't get help. And um, you know, they are detained, but they're not sentenced to death. So for them to be any longer and be exposed to it is a death sentence. So we uh, tried to, uh, well, our purpose of video is just to put pressure. And, um, and in addition, uh, API Rise also is a co-sponsor uh, with um, several other uh, uh, API um, organizations. Um, it's called the Vision Act, and that uh, act um, will stop the transfer of, uh, of um, prisoners that are on a release. So it will stop the transfer uh, of state prisoners to ICE detention. So, so instead of uh, them getting um, uh, hand over to ICE when they release, they have actually have opportunity to each, at least be with the family, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, not do the work for uh, ICE for them. So if ICE wants to get them, ICE will have to do the job. But you know, um, our um, the bill is just to say, look, um, release these people when it, when when they're able to release and don't turn them over to ICE. So that's practically what the bill is about. And hmm. it's not only affecting the API population, but also uh, Latinos, right? Um, anybody that's facing ICE hold, right? The bill will help them. So that's uh, we haven't got the stat yet, but uh, you know, if if you work the stat, that's maybe. Um, Five out of fifteen people that are released will, you know, will will face ICE detention. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. So those are all great things to be thinking about. Um, and uh, kind of want to think about the continue. This I don't know. I I don't see this issue going anywhere about this conflict and the back and forth between folks in the state and um, and the justice system. So. I suppose, you know, in turning to the diversity question and you guys working together, LA has its its history. That's what this podcast is is going to be primarily be about. And one of the things that just seemed really powerful to me and why I was interested to talk to you guys uh, beyond hearing your story and what you're working on now is the the power of community organizations when the conflict breaks out and how how important it was and there was a there was a sort of a, a black korean alliance that was operating and it sounded like it was one guy in 92 you know one guy in his house you know had his had his little group and he was trying to to work these things out do you see the connections that you're making now with 
with between you guys and that round table of people you had talked about, including the uh, professor at Riverside and everything, do you see this as being a way to to avert any any conflict in the future, given given history? Uh, I, I think what it is, it's a it's a piece of piece of a larger effort that folks are engaging in to keep the conflict from growing like the the video that really sparked this that was uh, no pun intended but it's good pr that was a tinder box for what started <laughs> what we're doing uh, we recognize it as the fire starter that something like this could create major confusion if put in the wrong hands but at the same time, something like this create major opportunity for folks to sit at the table and to put the elephant in the room on the table and like, look, this is what this has come to. Yeah. Are, are we really having these conversations? This is really something necessary. And can we, in our edge of it, start to sit down and have conversations and even if it's confined to just us, then the lives that we save, the lives that we empower will be those across the table. But it's, you know, it's our responsibility to do that if we care for each other. And if we do a good enough job, someone will see what we're doing and the volume of the voice of what we're doing, our effort will be carried forward by others. And that, you know, that's all we could hope for. Yeah, yeah. I, I I see this as a you know as as a community effort, um, and um, I think that uh, uh, for us, like just having that relationship, right, with uh, uh, myself and Tim, and uh, we were previously in a in a cohort called Peacemaker, um, and um, I I think it was just like the um, it just flows, right? It's just naturally like, hey. Here's a problem. What can us as peacemakers do about this, right? Mm -hmm. So that it doesn't escalate into something um, uh, threatening, right? But instead, provide uh, um, uh, like what can we do uh, to uh, make this into a positive spin, right? Instead yeah. of uh, you know, instead of feeding to the negative. So, um, so yeah, with with with. Myself and Tim, when I reached out to Tim, and uh, basically automatically we identified the same person, which is Diane, that could help because Diane uh, is a, a Asian American woman that's been around uh, communities of diverse uh, cultures, and with her experience um, and her uh, knowledge, right, we uh, uh, you know came together and see like, all right, who in our circle can we invite for this conversation to. Um, mm -hmm to, uh, I guess, conversation about um, our history together, uh, conversation about uh, healing and uh, conversation about uh, moving forward as a as, as collective community and um, and healing others too along the way. So it's just, um, yeah, I think for, for, for us, it's just, you know, it just comes naturally. Like, you know, this is, this is something that we have to do, right? Take action on, so. So I'm going to ask you the tough question then, because you, you already asked it yourself just now, which is what can you do to prevent a conflict or like, 
what steps can you take to prevent a conflict before it starts? Is there a rule book we can have out there and say, all right, if things are getting bad, here's what we do. It's kind of a tough um, question. <laughs> I think in the case like this is, uh, I think with the experience that we have, right, it's, uh, that uh, we've been through and, um, and not wanting to see um, any more uh, conflict or tension, but wanting to uh, uh, unite in peace. Um, for me, it's, um, it's, it's, I think the crucial uh, part is um, drawing everybody together, right? To have a conversation, um, to, um, um, I guess you could, you know, I don't know about, you know, like a rule book, but it's just uh, my, through my experience and to my, um, um, my instinct is to say, hey, I have to reach out to somebody, right, that, that can um, solve this problem with me, right? Mm -hmm. And that involves a collective effort, not, you know, I, I know that I can't tackle it alone. Um, okay. Um, and I know that, you know, this needs a community effort. It needs, uh, you know, it needs a collective uh, effort to, uh, you know, to, uh, yeah, to, uh, to move forward. You know, how can we uh, help heal our community, right? Instead yeah. of, uh, you know, how can we uh, put out the flames or how can we, um, you know, de-escalate any tension. But, and the only way, you know, we come to realize is to like share stories, to uh, histories, to, um, to building that understanding and, um, and uh, you know, and that will uh, itself uh, leads towards healing also. Yeah. As, think, is that, yeah. I think well, really there's no simple solution mm -hmm. on how to cause conflict. I mean, how to prevent the conflict, but the, the easiest path to it is perspective and perception. If you take the moment to see from somebody else's perspective, you might glean an understanding of why. Because when 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 I first like saw the video, there there's a immediate reaction is like anger, like oh what is this? But when you when you engage a degree of perspective and you think why anytime, and it doesn't matter who you are. Uh, what, what color your skin is, you know, what your heart looks like. Anytime you think there's a degree of harm being done to somebody you're in relationship with, anger arises mm -hmm. immediately. And your emotions are triggered. But if you can take a moment to take a deep breath when, when possible yeah. and ask yourself, why? You know, what, what is this other person's perspective? If their perspective is in a lane of justification, then there's a, group, a degree of communication that, take, that can take place. But if their perspective is they just have a dark heart and don't care, and your anger is justified, then it's like, you know, there, there's really no place that you can go and nothing you can do but respond the way you respond. But if you engage a degree of perspective and see that that person is, is, operate operating from an emotional standpoint 
from a, from a heartfelt standpoint and you're willing to engage in conversation, it can, it can solve all, you know, it can keep a whole bunch of stuff from happening. That's happening. Yeah. 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 Tim used the word, but what you just said and then Billy going back to what you said about instinct. Um, it's interesting. You're both using like kind of an emotional language here where it's like they, the emotions are running high in that moment. Mm -hmm. You step back and I guess, are you saying you're using, um, is it, is it logic? Is it what, what are you using instead of that, that kind of like that front emotion, right? What, yeah, what else? You're, you're, you're saying it. it's like, it's, it's a self-awareness and it's emotional intelligence and it's knowing when you're emotionally triggered. Because unfortunately, a lot of folks don't know when they're emotionally triggered. But but I mean, we we know because of where we've been, what we've been through, the work that we've done on ourselves, that sometimes that we're triggered like emotionally, and that's the time when you're supposed to step back and not step forward. Because when you step forward as an emotional reaction, it tends to get you in trouble. Yeah. But when you step back and you have that that thought bubble pop up over your head and you go, oh, okay, I, I did that or that happened and my feelings may have been hurt. I may, I may have felt disrespected or whatever that is. So there's really no reason to act other than in a manner to extend understanding. Like I understand your perspective, but can we talk? Does this have to be anything but that at the end of the day, communication is the answer to most things, not everything, but good communication is the answer to most things. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I agree. You're, you're with that. Yeah. That's what it seems to be. I mean, um, there was, a there was a guy who said that, that war is uh, politics by another means. Um, so that's when, when the, when the talking runs out, that seems to be when things get started. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, with you're absolutely right, Tim, with, uh, with Tinderbox, I'm studying conflicts, right? I'm studying when bad, when things go really bad, but and it, what's happening with this podcast with, with the riots in 92 is I'm starting to learn that there's the aftermath and then looking at what's being built up and what structures are being built up to, to prevent those things from happening again are, are just as important as the things happening. Yeah, themselves. definitely. Um, so how, how would you guys say, you know, I don't want to take too much of your time because we're coming up on an hour. Um, how how would you guys say? Yeah, what what structures can you put together? Is it is it the community groups? Is it politics? Uh, what kind of structures can be made to to sort of uh, to ease the way? And and you know things with and keeping in mind things are never going to be completely perfect. But how do you how do you ease things for as many people as possible? Um. Yeah, I think definitely uh, um, building through communities. I think, you know, um, continue to, um, yeah, continue to uh, build that bond to communities, right? Um, and um, I mean, you know, politics is, uh, I don't know, you know, we don't trust politics. <laughs> um, I think that, you know, it's, it's people power, right? Like, you know, continue to educate one another, uh, continue to, um, Built that uh, bond, um, and you know, uh, uh, and, and and doing so, right? We hope that you know the it'll be a culture trend, right? Like, um, you know, we start here and hopefully it spreads out, and um, and you know, that's 
for me, that's that's the hope is, you know, uh, it has to start somewhere. And, um, you know, if we build, I mean, if we continue and, um, you know, we uh, are sincere in our effort to, um, to unite communities. Um, and I think, you know, even if it's only like 50 people that are impacted, we're, we're still, um, um, you know, impacting 50 people, uh, 50 lives, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm, I definitely uh, uh, um, strongly um, uh, lean towards community effort. Okay. And, I, you know, I'll align myself with Billy, with it is going to take the communities uh, and relationships mm -hmm. to make the kind of change we want, but it's also a political element and I'm you know I'm a I'm a civic engagement voters rights voter education voter registration person so I'm for me it's a point that as communities we need to realize that politicians are employees we don't we they do not tell us what to do we tell them what to do when they're in there when they're in campaign session that is a job interview Nobody hires an employee and then let them tell you what to do. There, there's been some, that's why words and communication is so important. Somewhere, somebody tweaks something and they convince people to believe that, that there's a difference between politics and community. There aren't. The politicians are supposed to represent and reflect the community. And if they don't, then they shouldn't be in the positions that they're in. And it is a nonpartisan, but I mean that—that's just the truth. And our political representation has to look like us. It has to represent us. And when you have issues like this that needs to be addressed, they need to be aware, and they need to create space. They need to create resources. They need—they need to create communication vehicles to get in front of this and not let like a, uh, a rogue media outlet get a hold to a conflict like this and fan the flames of and make it seem like it's more than it is when it's just really a small incident. Take the good thing that we're doing, something like the conversations we're having, and light the fire under that and share that information so others can be aware that there are no, everybody's not just sitting around saying what's gonna happen, gonna happen. There are groups small groups, large groups, and larger groups having these same conversations because we don't want to see this kind of conflict. We're already in a war against ignorance uh, and, and we, aren't, we aren't winning the battle right now. We can look at the complexion of the country, not the skin complexion, but just the complexion in terms of the multitude of issues. And you know, we're a wounded society. Mm -hmm. we're, we are hurting right now and we don't need to hurt anymore and what's going on right now and it's beholden to all of us and it's our responsibility to realize that we're all responsible for each other if i engage in a bad act uh the impact of it might indirectly influence the course of your life and a lot of us though that that's a philosophical statement a lot of us don't understand that that the things we are the things that we do impact people that we may never see or never know but if we become conscientious of our action and engage a degree of perception and perspective perception because what you see is what you think happened whether that's what's happening or not what you see is what you think happened mm -hmm. and like that perspective like why like why did this individual 
talk shit to me? Or why did this individual look at me a particular way? Or why did this person say that? Like, you know, engage the perspective. If it's a male, he could have had a bad day. If it's a female, she could be having a bad hair day. Whatever the reason is, if you don't know what's the backstory behind it and there's a justification, you can't act with it. Yeah. Afford or against it, but you can't act with it accordingly. Yeah. I know that LA Voice has has a faith component. Too. Oh, yeah. And um, when I was talking with Angela, you know, it's straight into the spiritual. We were talking about that. I, that seems to be another component of this is, um, and that's a community group and a community organization part of it. But yeah, yeah, I, I have to ask two questions. One, how do you know Angela? And then uh, two, yeah, what what is that other component as well? That spiritual component. How does it how does it work with you guys? I can I can be quick with that. I know Angela through Diane Ugia. Diane brought Angela to our table because I mean Angela has a beautiful spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has a you know she has an enormous heart for this, and that's the kind of love we need to see across the table when we're having these conversations. Because sometimes it's not all love. And on a, and like for the spiritual component, uh, for me is everything happens for the for a reason. You just have to figure out what the reason is and get in that lane. Once you identify yourself with that course, then you're in, you're in line with like you know that universal energy that controls everything and gives it the proper rhythm, the proper cycle, the pro, you know, that, like your heartbeat. Your heart beats a particular way because, you know, that's the way it's supposed to. And when you lean into that spiritual rhythm, then that's, that's where your peace of mind, your calm, your joy can, can be found. Very good. Okay, uh, for me, um, um, Angela has been involved with uh, API Rise uh, from, you know, from the beginning. And, um, okay. When I got out, I got involved with uh, API Rise and uh, uh, met her a couple of times, her and her partner, Tutu. But I think it's not until that I actually uh, uh, accepted her invitation to sit on Wednesday that uh, we actually, uh, you know, build a, build a uh, I consider her my uh, mentor, right? So we built that mentorship. I built that mentorship connection with her. Yeah. And then... Um, yeah, and then when I got uh, detained the second time, you know, she was like so very supportive, and um, so I guess you know throughout the year we just you know uh, uh, continue to build on that um, that relationship, right, that bond, and um, you know I go to her for you know advice, <laughs> uh, her and her partner Tutu, uh, and um, as far as spiritual, uh, you know, in I five years before I got released, I, I, I practiced uh, meditation, um, uh, sit. And I think that, you know, in, during the course of my journey, um, I, I, I realized the major teaching is compassion. Right. And, um, hmm. and I think in uh, Buddhist teaching is, uh, you know, is his goal was to ease the suffering of, uh, of, uh, all sentient beings. So I think in, in, in my practice, as far as in the spiritual uh, aspect of it is, it's the same as to practice compassion and, um, you know, and to ease suffering. If I see people suffering, um, you know, I, um, you know, it, it doesn't sit well because, you know, I suffer also. And I think, you know, when, when you, um, go into deeper into the, the teaching of Buddhism and, you know, the, the whole teaching of emptiness where, 
you know, everything's not empty, everything's connected, right? So when you look at everything's connected, it's like we are all connected, you know, uh, as human beings, you know, and, um, and it's sad to see that, you know, we are divided, right? Between racial, between beliefs, uh, um, you know, uh, Democrat, Republican, whatever, we're, we're constantly divided, you know? So um, it's just for me, it's just, uh, you know, when I see others suffer, right? I, um, you know, I want to, uh, I want to help, right? So that brings me to, um, uh, you know, doing what I can to help others. That's great. That's a great one. So I guess I'll, uh, we're, yeah, we've got five minutes left in, in my planned hour. Is there any last words you guys wanted to leave with, uh, with this? Um, you know, something, uh, any, any last thoughts? Uh, there's, there's some things that are going on in the country right now that have put a spotlight on certain behaviors, certain inequities and injustices. Uh, my last word is let's turn this moment into a movement. Very good. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, um, for me, my, my last word is, um, having, um, been through conflicts and seeing a lot of conflicts, but I also saw the side of uh, solidarity of unity, right? And, uh, you know, it's beautiful when we all come together as um, as one, right? And, um, you know, I, I feel that, you know, together, right, we can uh, tackle any issue together, you know, whether it's inequality, whether it's uh, um, you know, racism, right? Whether it's, um, Poverty, right? I think uh, I believe in the you know the power of unity. So, very good. So I um, my plan was I, I recorded this, mm -hmm. and that I was going to put the whole thing out there to folks. If you guys are okay with that, yeah. And then what I was going to do for the podcast is probably chop it up, take some sound bites out, and then oh, yeah. um, and work it into it. You know, work it into yeah. especially my lessons on what the heck do you do you know, here we are 30 years later. Now, what do we do? So, um, so I appreciate it, gentlemen. I mean, it's been awesome. Thank you. We appreciate yeah. you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Appreciate the work that you do and, you know, just spreading, you know, the, the good vibe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll probably, I'll, you say you do fundraising. I'll probably contact you. There might be some, something there you can help me out down this way. Hey, I oh, am a, I'm a I'm a grant writer by trade, so. Oh my! Oh yeah, oh. definitely. <laughs> you you send you send me a grant, and we'll we'll get writing. <laughs> you heard that, Billy? Oh yeah, yeah. Right? API Rise needs a lot of grant. <laughs> I know, I know. It's always it's always a thing, but yeah, I appreciate the time, gentlemen. It's it's. Thank you, Will. Yeah. Hope we so can do it again. Oh yeah, okay. definitely. Enjoy the weekend. Be safe. Be healthy. Absolutely. Be safe. You as well. Yes, absolutely. Bye now. Bye-bye. All right. I hope this great conversation not only gave you an idea of the current work going on out in the world, but I hope it kind of amplified the voices of these two guys who are working really hard towards a more peaceful and just society. Please check out the show notes to see links to their organizations and their work. And thanks for listening. I hope they'll work with these guys on their own projects, and I hope you can support them too. 
Stay tuned to the podcast to hear our next series on the LA riots and go to facebook.com slash tinderbox podcast to discuss episodes and get all of our updates until we talk again. Good luck out there in the tinderbox.